0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: How do you know that you haven't been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? Look at what a big difference she's making with her life. Because she spoke up, because she took her life into her own hands, because she went before the king and said, if I perish, I perish Because of all of that, now the people, the Jewish people have been spared. They're gonna be able to dwell there in peace. The second in charge to the king, we got leadership that's for the Jews.
0: As Christians in our world today, sometimes it can be difficult to make a stand and speak up. We want to serve the Lord with everything we have, but when our social image is on the line, we tend to back down. Today, Pastor Bill explains that when you stand up for the Lord, Mighty things happen in his name. No matter how big or large it may seem, God will always use it to further his kingdom. Be used by the Lord for things you could have never imagined. Stand firm for the gospel and store up your treasures in heaven. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther chapter 9 as he continues his message. Divine Rehearsals.
1: Open to Esther chapter 9. When you get it, say got it. We've come to the end of the book of Esther. We're gonna cover uh, Esther chapter 9 and 10. We started to see, as the end of the book, everything that was looking bad in the beginning started to flip. You know, um, it looked like Haman was gonna destroy the Jews, and then he got destroyed. Looked like Haman was going to destroy Mordecai on the gallows. He died on his own gallows. It looked like the Jews are going to be in jeopardy. Now they've been empowered as Queen Esther went before the king and got permission for them to be able to defend themselves against those who hate them. Uh, so today we're going to see the, you know, the actuality, the, the, it's going to play out. The things that were, uh, uh, the opportunities afforded Esther and, and Haman, Esther and Mordecai and the Jews in the previous chapters, we're going to see them fleshed out in this final chapter. And, uh, we saw the, the many reversals with Mordecai, you know, that he was, uh, his, his heart was for the people. It was for the Jewish people. It was for the Lord. It was, it was to not bow down and, uh, and, and to, you know, give honor to someone that, that doesn't deserve it. And, um, and, you know, you had Haman as a guy that wanted honor. Uh, he wanted it so desperately. He wanted, he was so disappointed, so upset that one man wouldn't bow to him, uh, that he couldn't even enjoy all the wealth and everything else that he owned and had. And it's interesting that it's all flipped around. Now, uh, Mordecai received Haman's home and his position. And we'll see even more of that today. And so uh, we'll see more of these divine reversals as we go through it. So look at Esther chapter nine, starting in verse one. It says, now in the 12th month, that is the month of Adar. On the 13th day, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. And so again, we, this is another divine reversal. This is, on, it says, on the exact day that the enemies of the Jews had thought they would overpower the Jews. God has changed things up in such a way that now it's going to go the other way and that now the Jews themselves are going to overpower. And I want you to pay attention to that phrase, those who hated them, right? As the Jews are going out, they're going to kill some people in this chapter. There's going to be some bloodshed, but I want you to understand every time we see them killing groups of people, it's they're not killing at random. They're not killing Persians in general, they're going after those that were coming after them. It'll say that phrase, those who hated them. And so I want to make it clear, they weren't out there picking fights. Um, if, if if those who hated them had decided, you know what, now that y'all can fight back, we're going to sit back and take a pass, which I'm sure some of them did, um, there wouldn't have been no smoke, right? You know, you guys heard a phrase, don't start none, won't be none." Um, that's how it was. If you, if you, if you, if you go ahead and fall back, it won't be none. Right. But for those that decided, no, we're coming for you guys, we're going to wipe you out. We're going to kill you. They now have permission and power and authority to fight back and kill. And that's what they're going to end up doing. So I just want to be clear. We we had a little discussion last week about self-defense. Y'all remember that? Um, uh, we talked about rather or not, it was okay to defend yourself. Could somebody punch you? Could you punch him back? Y'all remember that lesson? Okay. Can we punch back? boy y'all a gangster around here boy I tell you all right so uh they said yeah but yeah we can so um so moving on um so again it's against those who hated them verse 2 says the Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm and no one could withstand them because fear of them had fallen upon all the people So as they went out and there were people coming against them, it says that no one was able to stand against them. No one could withstand them. No one was able to overcome them. Uh, And it says, because fear of the Jews have fallen upon all the people. Um, If you're a note taker, I am encourage you to write this verse down. Write down Romans 8.31. It says, Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is forced, somebody finish that for me. Who can be against us? If God be for you, if God be for me, if God is for the Jews here, who can be against those who God is standing for? Nobody Nobody can successfully be. At this point right here, God is with them, God is for them, and it doesn't matter who comes against them, they're not able to withstand them. And so those that were their enemies, those that wanted to do them harm, those that were coming out against them were finding that they were not able. And it says the fear of them have fallen upon the people Verse three says, and all the officials of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and all those, um, all those doing the king's work helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell on them. Now, here goes another divine reversal. When the decree went out that Haman got signed that we're going to kill all the Jews in 11 months, who was afraid then? The Jews, right? When they, when you walked into the citadel, the shoe sand, and you saw that sign that said in 11 months, y'all gonna be annihilated, wiped out, killed, and destroyed. Um, fear fell upon them, but look at this reversal. Now they've been empowered and the fear of them has fallen upon all the people. God did this, right? God has reversed this. God has changed it. God has caused things to turn around in their favor. Um this is not something they could have done for themselves. This was something that God would God had to do this on their behalf. Verse 4 now. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai became increasingly prominent. Thus the Jews defeated all their enemies with the stroke of the sword with slaughter and destruction and did what they pleased with those who hated them, that phrase once more. Another divine reversal, right? Mordecai was not a big deal before he was in the gates, but it doesn't seem like he was anything prominent. Haman was prominent. Haman was the big deal. Mordecai was just out there trying to peek over the gate and see how Esther was doing. But now it says about Mordecai that he became great in the king's palace and his fame spread throughout all the problems. And here's the interesting thing about Mordecai. His fame is spreading while he just does what God called him to do. His fame isn't spreading. He's not spreading his own fame. He's not out there with flyers saying, look, I'm great. Honor me. You know, he's just being who God calls him to be. And God has elevated him. God has caused him to be seen in this way. And so, again, there's a reversal here. And I want you to note that phrase at the end of verse five. It says that they 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 destroyed their enemies with a stroke of the sword and they would slaughter and destruction. And they did. What they please with the phrase again, with those who hated them. I just want to keep pointing out they're not just killing at random. They're not out there killing any Persian. They're killing y'all. Y'all hate me. Y'all coming for me. Now we've, we got power to do something about it. And and that's who they're destroying. Uh, I want to make that clear as we go through it that uh, there is specific who they're coming against. And so again, we see that God has divinely reversed that which was against them. We made the comparison to the gospel, right? Um, What was against you and me before Christ came? What was against us? Sin, right? Our sins. That was against us. I I had sinned against God. The wages of sin is what? So the sin was against us. The wages of sin was against us. Um, We had an issue before Christ came. Then Christ came and he took it all away, right? Christ came and he took your sins and my sins upon himself. Amen? And he died in our place and he, he took our debt. Then he rose from the grave and defeated death and invited you and me into an eternal relationship with him where we have the hope of heaven after we die. And so that's the greatest divine reversal. We'll talk about it more at the end of the message today. But here God has turned everything around. Everything that was wrong has been been made right. Uh, Look at verse six now. It says, and in in Sushan, the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. Uh, Now, these names are the names of Haman's 10 sons, I'm going to run through them. I'm going to butcher them. If you like to learn the proper pronunciation of them, there's a key I'm sure you can find somewhere. Uh, but just roll with me. Okay. These are Haman's 10 sons. The five, they killed 500 men starting at verse seven. These are the names of Haman's 10 sons. Also, Parashanda. That's a jacked up name for a guy. Dalphon. He sounds black. Aspatha, Paratha, uh, uh, Adelia, uh, Eridatha, Parmish, Parmishatha. Erisai, Eridai, and Vegetha. That's the worst one of all. So, uh, these are the 10 sons of Haman. It says in verse 10, uh, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, and they killed them. They killed all 10 of his sons as well. But note this, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. We're going to see this again in verse 15 and again in verse 16. This is important. Uh, it notes that they didn't touch the money because this was not about money. They weren't out there to plunder. They didn't go out there to kill people and take from them. They were out there defending themselves. And so they intentionally did not take the plunder um, because they wanted to be clear. We didn't come to kill y'all to take y'all stuff. That's not what this is about. You wanted to kill us. So we defended ourselves, killed you. And and, and they left the stuff there uh, to make that point, because when you kill someone, you can take their stuff. That's how. That's back then. Today, if you kill somebody and take their stuff today, you're gonna be in jail for murder. With a, whether you have an accessory to murder, you know, it's gonna be uh, what is it, theft. And murder all, you, you, gonna be, you gonna do some time for that, right? But under these circumstances, it's different. This is, this is like war, uh, if you will. So, um, they're not taking the plunder because again, that's not what this was about. And they don't want that to be misunderstood. The scripture points that out to us three different times. So I think we're not supposed to miss it. All right. Verse 11. On that day, the number of those who were killed in Shusan, the citadel was brought to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men in Shusan the Citadel and the 10 sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Remember, there was 127 provinces altogether. Now, what is your portion? What is your petition? It shall be granted to you. Or what is your further request? It shall be done. This is amazing. The king says, look, I've heard this is what I've heard. This is what's happened so far. Um, What's happening everywhere else? And he says, what else do you want? And he's just giving Esther this blank check. What, what else do you want? You know, what, what else do you need me to do for you? What else, what, what else is, is your petition? What is your further request? And I have to see this as God's favor upon Esther in his life. This is the king of Persia, right? He had He had a responsibility and an obligation to the people of Persia, but he's saying, look, wife, um, let me, let me, let me, let me bend your way for just a moment. What do you need? Um, you, you kill those enemies. You, do you need something else? Is there anything else that you need? I want to, I want to make sure that all your needs have been met here. That all your desires have been met. And so Esther has another request. Look at verse 13. Then Esther said, if it please the King, let it be granted to the Jews who are in Shushan to do again tomorrow, according to the today's decree. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So Esther says, can we have one more day? Um, in other words, there, there's some enemies that we didn't, we ain't finished yet. There, there's some more enemies. It'd be better if we go ahead and wipe them out than we have to live with them now. Because I want you to think about this, right? After you kill those enemies, you got one day to do it. Well, if let's say you didn't get everybody. How are the enemies that didn't get killed going to be feeling about you the next day? That's, that's going to be something to live with. So he, she said, can, can we have one more day? We I think we can finish up in a day. And why does she hang Haman's sons on the gallows? They've already been killed. Why do you hang someone on the gallows? This is important. The reason that Haman wanted to hang, he didn't just want to kill Mordecai, he wanted to hang him on the gallows. Uh, this would be like hanging someone publicly uh, way up high in the air. It was to make a point, right? When you see someone hanging on the gallows, you think, I, whatever he did, I don't want to do that. Amen. Uh, It was to make a point to other people. It was it would produce fear. Uh, This was common in that culture. Um, This even carried over to Roman culture, why they would hang people on a cross in public. It was for shame, humiliation, but also for fear. And so she says, I want to hang Haman's 10 sons. Right. That everybody else would see them hanging there and they would know that's I don't what, what did they do? What did they do? They, 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 they hated they were enemies of the Jews. Okay, note, note to self, I'm a friend of the Jew then. you know. So um, this is her request uh, to King Ahasuerus. And verse 14 says, so the king commanded this to be done. He gives her what she asked for. The decree was issued in Shushan and they hanged Haman's 10 sons. And the Jews who were in Shushan gathered together again on the 14th day of the month of Adar and killed three hundred men at Shushan. Note again, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. That's the third time that we hear that. And again, we know why now because it wasn't about the money. It was about protecting themselves so they could live at peace in in, in um in this province. So um so they they killed these three hundred more men. And uh, verse sixteen says the remainder of the Jews in the king's provinces gathered together and protected their lives. And had rest from their enemies, and they killed 75,000 of their enemies, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. It's fourth time. So, uh, so we got a lot of people died. 75,000 people have died, um, just in that, in that, in that area right there. So 75,000 people have died. Um, it lets us know one, that's how many enemies the Jews had. Um, but again, here's the reversal. The Jews are the minority in Persia, right? Remember that they didn't go back to they didn't go back when when Nehemiah built the walls and everybody was invited to come back home. These are the Jews that said, "Nah, we're comfortable in Persia. We're going to stay put. They didn't go home. They're in foreign land on foreign ground. They're the minority group. God has put them in power by bringing Esther into the kingdom. And it, it reminds us of the truth of the words that Mordecai spoke to Esther when he told her, how do you know that you haven't been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Look at what a big difference she's making with her life because she spoke up because she took her life into her own hands because she went before the king and said, if I perish, I perish because of all of that. Now the people, the Jewish people have been spared. They're going to be able to dwell there in peace The second in charge to the king, we got leadership that's for the Jews. The queen is a Jew. So if the king likes his queen and she's a Jew, the Jews ain't got nothing to worry about. Amen. Uh, they're gonna, they, they're gonna be, they're gonna be just fine in this area, um, until, (laughs) unless he does a vashti on her and puts her out. So, um, but for right now, things are looking great for them. And again, God has turned many things in their favor at this point. Uh, let's move on. Look at verse 17 now. This was on the thirteenth day of the month of Adar, and on the fourteenth day of the month they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were at Shushan assembled together on the thirteenth day, as well as the fourteenth and on the fifteenth of the month, and they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore the Jews of the villages who dwelt in the unwalled towns celebrated on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar with gladness and feasting as a holiday. And for sending presents to one another, and so the Jews that were in the provinces they they held this feast and celebration on the fourteenth of the month. The Jews that were in Shushan celebrated on the fifteenth, and this is the beginning of a, what we call the Feast of Purim, um, and this is where we get the the word Purim from. If you guys remember when when Haman cast the lot to see how long before we're going to go kill them, the the word for lot is Pur. And so it's the Feast of Purim. So it was God's providence that, because what if he had cast a lot, they would have said one month. Um, All that happened in that time would have been very difficult. But 11 months gave a lot of time. 11 months gave time for Esther to go before the king. For all these things to transpire, God had gifted them time to do so. And so it's the Feast of Purim. They're acknowledging, for the the Jews, the feasts were a way to, to remember what God had done and to celebrate it. Um, for us it'd be like, you know, we celebrate a birthday. Oh, this is the day that you were born. Um, but this is greater. These are spiritual celebrations. We're celebrating God's intervention, God's deliverance, God's faithfulness, much like what the Jews have been commanded to do over their history, celebrate the Passover. It's when, you know, we pass over you guys, everybody else, you know, felt something you didn't deal with. Um, and you need to remember that I did that for you. Uh, we're talking about a little bit later, how important it is that we not forget the things that God has done, how God wants us to remember. So the feast days were, it was a way for them to remember. What God had done It was a a way for them To remember And to acknowledge And to celebrate What God had done Imagine that Years down the line As they're having The Feast of Purim And someone's got Little kids Dad what is this feast about Why are we doing this Son this is what happened This is we were In this situation The Jews are all Going to be killed Haman uh, you know had, Had got a decree Signed by the king But you know Mordecai talked to Esther And you explain The whole story And you celebrate What God has done And you give God The glory And the story was To go on and on Throughout their generations. So, and, and if you look at how they celebrate it, it kind of feels like Christmas, right? It says they were giving gifts, they were celebrating, they were eating good food. Um, that To me, it sounds like a little Thanksgiving and a little Christmas, you know? Um, they have food, festivities, and gift giving going on. We're remembering, you know, what God had done in his faithfulness to them. So, I would encourage you guys, we should commemorate God's faithfulness in our lives. You sh- we should commemorate our spiritual birthdays. We should, you know, for those that remember, I know a lot of people can't remember when they got saved. They're, you know, it's an error of time or maybe a month or whatever. We should remember those things and celebrate them. Those are our victories. That's when we went from death to life. That's when everything changed on our behalf for God's glory. And so we should remember and commemorate those things. Some people have argued, why do we celebrate Christmas? That's not actually Jesus's birthday. It's not. December 25th is not his actual birthday. The problem is we don't know his actual birthday. So, we just on December 25th, we collectively say we're going to remember that he was born and what a big deal that was and, you know, I rather enjoy the celebration, you know. Um and so, uh you know, we we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get closer uh to Christmas. So, here's something I want to point out to us. There's a there's a danger in uh forgetting and that's why these feasts oftentimes were were put in place that would help us to remember what God had done. Look at verse 20 now. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews near and far who were in the province of King Ahasuerus to establish among them that they should celebrate yearly the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar as the days on which the Jews had rest from their enemies as the month which was turned from sorrow to joy for them and from mourning to a holiday that they should make them days of feasting and joy of sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. And so Mordecai commemorates the days Says, look on the, these two days, the 14th and the 15th since, since y'all since, you know, we had two different celebrations. We're going to celebrate this for two days. We're going to do this every year. And, um, you know, he puts it down as this, this is now a holiday for us. We're going to remember this every year that God did this for us. Um, Moving on, look at verse 23 now. Um, It says, so the Jews accepted the customs, which they had begun as Mordecai had written to them because Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews had plotted against the Jews to annihilate them and had cast per That is the lot to consume them and destroy them. And then we got a big but in verse 25. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letter that this wicked plot, which Haman had devised against the Jews, should be, should return on his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on a gallows. In my Bible, I underlined the phrase, but when Esther. Um, And I want you to note why this is so important. Uh, because things are going a certain way. Um, Things are going in an unfavorable, undesirable direction concerning the Jews and God's people. Um, And, and, you know, oftentimes we see this throughout scripture that God will use people. Somebody has to stand up. Someone has to be, someone has to be the difference. Someone has to make a, be a witness. Someone has to stand in the gap for the weak or stand in the gap for those that cannot. And so Esther had been positioned but y'all know she had to step up, right? God had, God had done all those things to put her in a place, all the stuff that was not her fault, her being beautiful, her being picked in the pageant, her being having favor with the king, all that was not her fault, not her doing. God set her up and put her in that position, but she had to take it in her hands. At a point, she had to operate. She had to step out in faith and, and, and really just, she had to trust God with her whole life, right? I might walk into this room and die today. If the king does not hold out his scepter, I die, but I'm willing to take that risk in order to save other people's lives. We're so glad you decided to spend your time
0: with us here today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the Book of Esther. Esther is known for being Queen of Susa, But her story doesn't start that way. She finds herself in all kinds of uncomfortable scenarios on her way to the throne, where she would eventually become the picture of a faithful servant of God. If getting out of your comfort zone is the way to success, then Esther wrote the book. How are you getting out of your comfort zone to improve your relationship with God and overcome the worldly sins that are all around you? There will always be seasons of life where the pain and agony can't be avoided. How will you respond? Will you turn to God despite the pressures to mask your pain with the things of this world or fall into sin like so many people before? Esther and Mordecai faced the threat of an oppressive and vicious ruler over the people. Still, you and I face a spiritual threat today and a spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons like prayer Praise and worship, and we know just where you can find those right here at a transforming word in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area? We'd love for you to come in and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to CalvaryInglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream online this Sunday. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next time with a transforming word.